Yes, and welcome to first ever episode of the Texas HS Football Podcast. I am your host, TJ Macklin, COO of Texas HS Football. And thank you for downloading. If you can, uh, either during this episode or after, go ahead, subscribe to it on our iTunes page. Make sure to leave a comment, rate, and do whatever else you can to share the share the wealth, share the knowledge of what we're going to be doing here on this weekly episodic podcast. Uh, it's been something that's been in the, the works for quite some time here. We've been back since October of last year, and it's been a quite a wild three months here from the end of the 2019 season to state finals to now the 2020 offseason and I guess the beginning of the 2020 season as it is. So we're going to be doing a lot of work in regards to covering the sport, going inside of what's going on with the high school game, some college, some pros as with Texas HS football, we are all about following the players uh, from playing Friday nights over in DeSoto or Westlake or Lake Travis or all the way out to the small 1A schools and taking them to their college career and their pro careers. As you see on our website, TexasHSFootball.com and through our social channels on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and whatever else you can find our stuff. We're very happy to have, since coming back here, uh, our new series that we were uh, just launching the last couple of weeks, The Goodbye to My Team. Uh, Kirkland Mitchell doing a great job. Kendra Cobb's doing a phenomenal job the first week as they said goodbye to Den Geyer. And also Westlake. It's kind of funny that our first episodes, our first two uh, posts uh, in this series, they're from the two teams that played in the 6A title game. It's kind of odd. Wonderful. Switch out the 5A next week, but I guess you'll have to see. Uh, on the show this week is Stu Myrick. He covers Lake Travis, speaking of 6A, uh, for uh, Lake Travis Cavaliers for 1049 The Horn here in Austin, Texas. Uh, Stu and I, we've been friends for years now, just talking all about you know college football, the pros, a little bit of high school here and there, but pro, but primarily pro wrestling, as Stu does a lot of work with that through the sports guys talking wrestling over on 104 Night in the Horn, and on top of the many other things he does for that company, like he says here. So uh, it's a great half-hour chat with Stu as we get into uh, what Lake Travis is going to do next year, the Longhorns, a little bit of the Cowboys at the end, and of course, the person that drives a lot of attention and sure uh, like a lot of page reads uh, for our site. North Shore's running back, Zach Evans. Uh, it's, there's an amazing story in here about Zach and the state semifinals whenever they played like Travis and about uh, Zach showing up halfway through the game because of stuff he was doing um, earlier in the morning over at North Shore's high school. So like I said, uh, Stu coming up here. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast as we'll be dropping them every single week. So thanks for listening. Phone here on the debut episode of the Texas HS Football Podcast. We have from 104.9 The Horn and also covers Lake Travis for The Horn, does a weekly radio show, Sports Guys Talking Wrestling with his partner, uh, Justin. It's Stu Myrick. Stu, how you doing today? Happy New Year, TJ. That's right. It's good to hear from you, my friend. Well, it's been a long time. As Back in the day, we used to do podcasts all the time, talking about football, wrestling, barbecue, uh, I wish you could talk more about scouts, too, because you are very heavily in with the scouts. But what we're here to talk about today is mainly high school, as you are the sideline reporter for Lake Travis High School. So let's start there. They tried to make it back to state title uh, this year in 2019, lost in the semifinals. Their quarterback is off to Texas. So where does that lead uh, the Cavaliers going into 2020? 
Well, you know, that's that's a good question. Um, yeah, 2019, Lake Travis, as you, as you mentioned, made it all the state semifinals before losing to eventual state champion in the Park North Yes. Um, it was it was a good game. Yeah, it wasn't like last year when North Shore beat them thoroughly. Uh, so, uh, where that leaves them now, as you mentioned, Hudson Card, the incredible quarterback for Lake Travis, is now, I think, as we speak, is now on the 40 acres. Hmm. Uh, early enrollee, so he's going to be, you know, involved in spring practice. Uh, the his backup, Nate Nate um, Yarnell. Uh, real tall, lanky kid. Really, really came into his own during that time. You know, Hudson Card was out six weeks with turf toe injury. Uh, Nate Yarnell came into his own. Really, he started to really find a find a rhythm. Uh, so I suspect he will obviously be at least penciled in as the starter for 2020. I know they've got uh, they've got another kid behind him, and, and forgive me, I can't remember the kid's name. They've got a kid behind him that's supposed to be pretty special. Uh, I think he played J, uh, junior varsity this past year, so that that could present some competition for Nate. I, it, you know, it's like Travis, right? So you know, it's not a matter of it's not a matter of uh, rebuild; it's reload. Right, and now we will find out next month how the district lines out because the last two years and actually the last four years it's been Lake Travis, Westlake, and everybody else. Of course, you know. So it's you know, and unless unless something drastic changes, it's probably going to be for twenty twenty Lake Travis, Westlake, and everybody else. Now it's state title defending Westlake. Why? That's so right. I know it's six A Division One, six A Division Two. Would yeah. there ever be a time where those divisions maybe not merge, but we see some crossover so that Westlake doesn't, you know, just completely dominate Division Two and they dabble in Division One against those Duncanvilles, Lake Travises, and North Shores well, of the world? Well, remember that the divisions are based on enrollment numbers. So right. Exactly. It's it's a matter of you know what the district looks like. Who's who's the bigger schools in the division, and that's and that's what's going to dictate whether you know who plays in Division One versus Division Two. Lake Travis is going to be Division One. I. I think in twenty five six A, I think they were the biggest school in the division, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. Uh, Westlake was a little bit a little bit down from that. You had because you had like Hayes, you had um, oh who else? There was a couple you know a couple of the AIC schools that may have been a little bit bigger. So we'll see. I you know. The, the bigger question is going to be, and because they did this for the, I think every division, every classification except for 6A, they set out Division One, Division Two, prior to the start of the season, which was a first time. You know, I think it was the first time they did that. It was this past year. Whereas in the in in the past, you didn't know Division Division One, Division Two until the playoffs. So that's that's what we're going to look at as far as will they pull that trigger with 6A or will they keep it where it's going to be a guessing game based on enrollment numbers. We'll see come uh, first week of February when the UIL uh, releases the official realignment for the next two years.
that's wild to think about because that would add a nice uh, air of mystery of where your team was going and what's going to happen there. Let me throw out this wild idea that I put out on our Texas HS Football Twitter account. Uh, you know, a new year, you know, new bold prediction for 2020 or you know, crazy hot take idea. Eliminating half of the playoffs to where you get rid of those first round just squash matches, if you will, and just letting in either the champion of the division or other region or maybe first and second place into the playoff and not letting, I think, four teams out of each region into the postseason. You know, it's it's a noble idea. Um, four teams out of each district can be a bit um, – can be a bit much. It's kind. Of, it's kind of like the NBA playoffs, where half half the league makes the playoffs. That's true. Uh, you've got six, you know, in especially in the in the like five A six A, you've got sixty four teams making the playoffs. There are teams, quite honestly, that will make it with possibly a losing overall record, even yes. if they won their district. Yep. Because that's that's all that counts. That all that counts is is what they did in their own district. I don't think we will see that. Uh, if only because it means more exposure for those high schools. Mm. Um, those coaches, you know, they can still count that. Yes, we made the playoffs. Uh, it's kind. Of, it's kind of like the the whole talk about the college bowl system, right? You know, for, for all intents and purposes, look, we could we could eliminate three quarters of the of the college bowls. Uh, I think. In fact, I think I saw you put out the fact that that the uh, the last day of the state championships in AT and T Stadium outdrew. About at least half, if not more, of the college bowl games. It was Which, that tells you something, right? It was the six A Duncanville North Shore game had forty eight and change at the game, and it was all but fourteen bowl games. It all drew from twenty nine or twenty eighteen slash twenty nineteen. Yeah. So yes, exactly. And that's and this wasn't unique. That's that's the way it is every year. Right. It's, it's you know, uh, you get you know you get these you know the Idaho Potato Bowl and the you know more, Franklin County Mortgage Bowl and all them that. You know, you look at it on TV, on ESPN, and those stadiums look so empty. That's right. And then you look at, you know, look at Saturday uh, at the state at AT and T Stadium mm-hmm. for the state high school championships, and that's you know five A, you know one of the five A divisions and both of the six A divisions. The place looks place looks pretty good for mm-hmm. high school football. It was a good house, and, and, as and they would say. So it's it's one of those things where I mean I've always talked before. Look. 1A, the six-man football championship will still get 5,000. Yes. That tells, that tells you, you know, <laughs> it's, it, you know high, high school football in Texas is so unique. And, it's, and it is kind of, it's got a little unfair to, to compare it, but at the same time, it shows you how, how little people care about those ball games. You know, it just, yeah. it's just, it's kind of painful to watch. I get it's money, you know, and, you, you know, no matter what, especially in sports, follow the money but yeah there's so i don't think they're gonna all that to say i would seriously doubt that the uio will ever consider uh reducing the bracket reducing the number of teams from 64 so would the uio this is lasting on state title actually kind of lasting on state title before we move on to uh the person who's making a bunch of news in today with zach evans out of north shore the one thing that was interesting about the state title game for for Saturday, the main event uh, for that weekend, 
Five A Division Two was at eleven. That probably did twenty thousand. One thing you could tell throughout the week was Thursday the lower bowl was about you know forty five percent filled up. Friday the bowl started getting more and more as so they tried to connect in the end zone. The eleven o'clock Saturday game it basically connected the entire bowl, and then the three p.m. which is the six A Division One was the forty nine thousand or forty eight thousand that had mm-hmm. the first, second, and third levels filled up. But then you had the 7 p.m. Westlake Division II 6A game, and it still was probably about 25 to 30,000 people you know, deep in the stadium, but it was a letdown to the 6A Division I game. So that being said, is that a thing where it just happened to be the better matchup went on at the 3 p.m. game, or do you think it's a 6A Division I thing and they should flip-flop it so that's the main event of the entire weekend? It's actually... It's actually neither. It's it's actually it's actually the way it's designed. They really? flip flop each year. Uh, division one, division two, flip flops each year. So so like this year, the the last game of Saturday was the was division two. Correct. Next year it'll be division one, okay. and it just alternates every year. And so, it's that's that's by design. It has nothing to do with who's in the games or you know those those times are actually set before the season even starts. Hmm. And again, it's just, that's just the way UIL designs it. Because they want to give each division a chance to shine. Right. So they basically put Rock and Hogan on before Jericho and Triple H for a reason right there. Not because they thought that Westlake and McNeil was a better matchup. Right. Exactly. It has, has nothing to do with that. That's just UIL. It, it wouldn't have mattered who it was. Division 6A Division 2 was the final game of that night. Right. See, everything comes back to wrestling, Stu. That's like listeners should know. Everything <laughs> always comes back to wrestling. Exactly. So the person making the biggest waves right now in high school or getting the most heat is North Shore's graduate running back, five-star recruit, number one running back in the nation, uh, Zach Evans. I know he made our website crash at Texas Just Football on Saturday uh, whenever it was announced that he was not going to be playing for North Shore in their title game because he was sent home the night beforehand. And now University of Georgia has released him from his letter of intent, making him basically a free agent before National Signing Day in February. You were there, Stu, against Lake Travis when North Shore played them in the semifinals. What was – and which was his last game for North Shore – what was the vibe uh, on the sidelines, and what was going on for that game? Because as you said on, on you know off air, he didn't show up until the second half. You're right, he did. So so here's the story that we that we were told was that Zach Evans, who you know as you said, top running back recruit in the country, top, you know wanted by every school there is. Apparently, he had to take his SAT that morning. Mm-hmm. So he was not going to make it to the game until at best halftime, and in fact, that's exactly what happened. So the first half, first half of that game, the, the semifinal game between North Shore and Lake Travis at, at the Palace on Palmer here in Round Rock, right. he was not there. He did not play. Well, he wasn't even in the stadium uh, until late. So, so halftime finishes. Here comes second half. Here comes Zach Evans. He plays the second half, and. He showed everybody why he's the top running back recruit in in the country. Now, I will say this: it was in the second half when like Travis started to come back and made that game interesting. So, whether that had anything to do with maybe the change in the chemistry mm. of North Shore or not, I don't know. What I have heard, what I was told that weekend by people that cover North Shore, 
was that and, and people that work in recruiting services is that Zach Evans is a bit of a uh, he's a bit of a challenge apparently right and then the story that like you guys broke with with him not giving up his cell phone to his coach and uh, they said he's not going to play. And now this word about, you know, Georgia releasing him from his letter of intent. You know, it's talent is one thing. And talent can get you a, get you far. But sometimes it can't get you far enough. And it's going to come down to where eventually he's going to have to learn that he's got to he's still got to play play the game. He's still got to abide by the rules and everything because otherwise, you know, he's going to end up that story of, of what could have been, right. you know, highly touted and then and then end up doing nothing. So uh, I hope he does. I hope that, you know, I hope that there is someone around him that can be in his ear to lend that wisdom to him. Because, again, he's, we're talking a 17, 18-year-old kid. Right. We, and we get that. So, you know, we all did dumb stuff when we were that age. So it's. I, I just hope that someone can get in his ear and say, "Look, you need to fix this, this, and this before you set foot on a college campus." Yeah, and it probably doesn't help his case that the team needed me more than I needed them because North Shore went out and they beat Duncanville in the state final. Now, whether yeah. that's because Duncanville was down their starting quarterback. You know, Jaquindon Jackson, who blew his knee out in the semifinal game beforehand. That could be a whole different story because, and this is one theory that I floated out there, North Shore doesn't suspend Zach if Jackson doesn't blow, doesn't blow out his knee. What's your thoughts on that? Um, it wouldn't have surprised me. I'll be honest. You know, we've seen, we've seen that in college. Right. Like we saw, you know, I mean, Nick Saban, you know, he'll he'll find creative ways to make sure his guys are, quote, punished, unquote, without punishing his team. Hmm. So is that outside the realm of possibility? No, of course not. Um, but I think that it, it could have been a simple fact, simple matter of maybe the coach did feel like he could beat Duncanville without Zach Evans. And I would say even if, uh, Jackson was on the field. Interesting. I just, you know, it's kind of one of those things. You know, the the only people that know that are, you know, is the is the North Shore head coach and and Zach himself and uh, everybody else is theorizing. But right. it wouldn't have surprised me if that certainly led to the decision. That would be an interesting. I know one thing, it's one thing to get the public uh, ridicule and embarrassment of being sent home the night before your high school goes for back-to-back state titles and a game that was featuring, you know, what we said, 47,000, 48,000 people at the stadium. But would have been also embarrassing if he would have been on the field but not used at all. You know, just standing there and having just to watch everything happen and have everyone talk around him going, what's going on? What's happening here? Why isn't Zach playing? He's there healthy. What's, you know, what's going on here? I think not because you know he he also missed out on the that means he also missed out on the celebration. Yeah, right, he that's true. He didn't he didn't get to share in getting the trophy and the medals and everything. He wasn't there at all. So that's a good point. I think it was a I think you know sending him home was probably the right decision. Right. 
And so one uh, last thing on Zachary before we move on to uh, the Longhorns and Ellinger coming back. College-wise, especially going to Georgia, he's not the big fish in the small pond like he is at uh, North Shore. You know, like you go to Georgia, you're one of however many other five-star kids that are playing. Or the current crop of running backs for the Bulldogs, they're all four-star, five-star, highly recruited, established veterans. So maybe it's a mentality thing of I'm going to not make my announcement at the under at the All-Star game last weekend in San Antonio. Let's see who else wants me where I can start immediately and I can feel more of a priority like I did here in North Shore. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's, and that's the beautiful thing about this, this split national sighting day, having one in December and then the, the traditional one in February, is that if, if a kid, and we've seen it in the past, if a kid decides maybe he wants to you know, mull it over just a little longer, he still has till February, and we've seen yeah. it even go past February right. uh, before he actually signs. So, sure, I can, I can easily see that. Kevin saying, you know what, let's see, let's see who wants me the most. Having said that, you know, there's it's 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 always funny to watch the recruiting process because as soon as that process is over and you get on campus, that's when they start the de recruiting process. Yep. <laughs> In other words, bring them back down to earth. Really? You know, uh, where because like you said, now you're at a you're at a if you're at a division one school, a blue blood like a like a Georgia or a Texas or OU or USC or somebody, okay, now you're not you like you said. You're not the big fish in the pond. You are you're one of a slew of four and five star players from across the country. And now you got to compete. And now you got to show your coaches why why you deserve to start. But guess what? Every one of them are going to do this exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like being the top independent wrestler and going to Orlando for NXT, and you realize there's a lot of other people here that are just as good as you are. Yeah, that that. That performance center, you know, they, they bring in everybody. So, yep. yeah, it's it's exactly like that. Again, always bringing it back to wrestling. That's what we're doing here. Always bringing it back to wrestling. So, big news college-wise outside of the national title game between LSU and Clemson uh, is Sam Ellinger coming back to Texas for a senior year. Was that a big shock? Because, in my opinion, while Sam is a great leader, a great kid – can get Texas, you know, a nice bowling over Utah and the year before that in Georgia. He didn't really have any pro options. Am I crazy to think that? No. No, absolutely not. It wasn't a shock. I, look, it's, you know, there was a lot a lot of hype for him preseason. You know, when I was at, I was at Big 12 Media Days with, with the rest of the Horn crew, um, there's a lot of hype around the Longhorns, a lot of hype around Sam Ellinger. He was, you know, there were the whispers of him being a hype a Heisman uh, contender, and then the season happened, and yeah. you know, come to find out, well, yeah, there's still there's still some work to be done. I think that played into it, but at the same time, I think Sam really wants to fulfill his uh, his commitment to the Longhorns, do four years, uh, and and he wants to graduate from Texas. I mean, this we've seen in you know, the story has been told by everybody. Yeah. About how much this kid wanted to go to Texas all the way from when he was, you know, when he was a toddler. So it doesn't surprise me. I think he's he's still an, a, a, a great talent. I think he is a good leader. I think it's a matter of let's see what happens with the new with the new coaching staff, with the new, 
coordinators, uh, you know, anything can happen. It's, uh, it, you know, that's the beauty of college football, just like in wrestling. <laughs> well, so that's the thing, too. How much is this year with what Herman has done in his, what, four years since he took over for Charlie Strong? It's been four, three or four uh, years. This, this was, yeah, we just finished his third season at Texas, so he is going to, he is going towards his fourth season at Texas. Okay. Really hasn't been all that was hoped to be. I mean, yes, they did win the Super Bowl two years ago, but this year, very disappointing. And finishing 7-5 and five and having a Texas Bowl win over Utah. But it hasn't been what was, you know, thought it was going to be. How much does this year tie into what Ellinger's development is? Because if, if he regresses for a third straight year, does that mean uh, Herman... You know, the ship goes down with him and with Sam. Um, Ellinger, I think, I think his pros prospects won't be as as damaged. Whatever happens this year, now, obviously, if you know, if there's an injury or something like that, everything's changing. Um, I think that he's still got the skills that he can display throughout the season. He's still. He's still able to throw the ball. Um, he's, you know, he's got the, obviously the offensive line has got to be better. You know, provide that protection for him. But I think Sam Ellinger, you know, Sam Ellinger is kind of that. I've always compared him to Chance Mock. He's kind of got that linebacker mentality. He, he's gonna, he's gonna get, he's gonna charge hard until somebody stops him. So uh, I don't think Sam will be near as damaged as Tom Herman. Yes, I think this is I think this is a do or die season for Tom Herman. Um I you, you almost always see that when you change both your offensive and defensive coordinators. If if it doesn't provide a turnaround at the end of twenty twenty, I think Tom Herman's looking for another job, quite frankly. Well, does it also play in the fact that he's kind of paying for the sins of the administration that that you know, bounced Matt Brown out at the beginning of the decade because I forget who posted this stat out there, but they showed a breakdown of the Big 12 over the 2010s. And while Kansas having six wins the entire decade was hilarious, something that had to shock Longhorn fans is they were about, I think, three or four games over 500 for the decade. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, that's, um, you know, they, Obviously, a big part of that was the three seasons under Charlie Strong. Right. Uh, Charlie Strong, you know, doing five and seven every year or six and six, that doesn't help things. I, it, it, A, it does show how special things were in the previous decade under Mac Brown. B, it does show how special Mac Brown is. And all you got to do is look at what North Carolina is this, <laughs> this year. Um, Look at what look at what you know the rebuilding they did. They went eight and five, won a bowl game. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, it's you know, it's and Mac Brown found the the fountain of youth, right? So, uh, and some dance it's, moves. It's a matter of yeah. So it's a it is a telling story. It's a telling story of what the the drop off that happened since you know since Colt McCoy went down in that championship game. Ten years January ago. 2010 against Bama. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it is quite the crater 
since that Rose Bowl. The last time Texas yeah. was relevant. Yeah, I get Sam at the last Sugar Bowl two years ago yelling, we're back. But really, I, test, I, I attribute it to being like the University of Miami a couple of years back when they were number two in the country before losing to Pitt and then losing in the Orange Bowl to Wisconsin. You're not back until there's at least three years worth of BCS bowl games going on, right? It's like Alabama, they could claim to be back that first year under Saban when they went to, I think, uh, you know, a Sugar Bowl. But they weren't really back until that 2010 title game where Mark Ingram's running into the end zone and uh, you know just destroying the Texas dynasty. It also helps that you went from BY to Colt for about, what, eight years, seven years? And quarterbacks that played in the NFL and played – Vince Young probably got a raw deal in the NFL, but played well and had you know careers in it. So there hasn't been an NFL quarterback coming out of Texas aside from Super Bowl champion, comma Garrett Gilbert. Yeah, Super Bowl champion and Lake Travis Cavalier. That's right. Backing up another Lake Travis Cavalier in in uh, in Baker Mayfield. But Garrett didn't get a fair shake because hey, your first game is against Saban and Alabama's all world defense. Go win it. Well, you know, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the problem because if you remember, Garrett had a hell of a performance in that in that ball, in that Rose Bowl game. Right, he did a fantastic job. What happened after that, with all the all the craziness, you know, they they were trying to change the offense to a run to a run downhill offense, mm. get away from the from the jet sweep and the and the spread offense and. And the whole thing with Will Muschamp as the coach in waiting, and, and that whole, the whole, the three years of nothing but, you know, agony for Longhorn fans, quite frankly. Right. Um, Garrett Gilbert was still a great quarterback, and he he showed that when he went to SMU. That's where he went. So, you know, it, and that's why he ended up in the NFL. That's why he's got a Super Bowl ring with the Patriots, albeit being on the Patriots squad, and that's why he's on. He's on the Browns roster right now. Right. Hey, you know what all that matters down here in uh, Lake Travis when he shows up to, you know, the the little boat clubs? Super Bowl ring. Hey, their Super Bowl champion Garrett Gilbert walking into the Starbucks over yes. there or going over to yes. Jimmy John's. And not to mention state champion. Remember, he, he, That's right. he was there for the first three first three of that of that five in a row state titles that no school in Texas has ever done. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, it's funny. When Westlake won last year, I was surprised that that was their first title since 95 with Drew Brees because I assumed that they won it with Foles or Ellinger or some of those other years where, you know, Coach Dodd had a great defense. But, no, first one since 95. They've been a couple times. Um, They did well. They did well, but, you know, it's uh... (laughs) – my boss just thanks me. My boss is a OU fan, oh. so he, every time he sees me, he thanks me for Baker Mayfield. That's very true. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. It's it's um, yeah, it, it, you know that that's that's what were we talking about? From, now I got distracted. What were we talking about? Uh, Westlake late uh, state titles. Oh, Westlake, yeah, yeah. Um, they had been a couple times. Uh, in fact, I remember the it was twenty fifteen. When Westlake Westlake got beat on like a last second last second play in in their play in their championship game before Lake Travis got demolished by Katie right. uh, down in the down at NRG Stadium, so you know it's yeah, but it's surprising. Yeah, that's their that was their first one in twenty plus years. So uh, that also tells you kind of the you know the story of 
of that district that has some Westlake in it. Right. They'll just eat each other alive. Hey, so we're going to close up here. And speaking of teams who haven't won titles in almost 20 and over uh, almost 30 years, Dallas Cowboys. All right. They got, they got their guy to replace the other guy who may be someone else's guy in about uh, six months because this is a never-ending cycle of coaches that we go through with football. Mike McCarthy, welcome to Dallas. Thoughts on the hire Mike as someone that covers the Cowboys? Who has a 7-3 seven and, seven and three record against the Cowboys when he was head coach of the Packers. Helps that he with had apparently- – it you know, helps he yep. had a generational quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, but yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, it was funny. That it, took, it took Cowboys a week to break up with Jason Garrett, and then <laughs> 48 hours later, Mike McCarthy is the new coach. So, um, you know, I, it's a wait-and-see approach right. because, yeah, Mike McCarthy's a fine coach, and I'm sure he'll put together a good staff, and he's got talent on the field, albeit we'll see what happens after free agency. But at the end of the day, Jerry's still the boss. That's true. And so you do what Jerry says. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of talk. There are a lot of people that believe the Cowboys will never win another Super Bowl with Jerry Jones as the GM. And so far, they've been right. Yeah. They're going on, what, 95 is the last title? I think it's 95. 90, Super Bowl 30 against us. Uh, that was the Steelers. Yes, it was. Um, you know, that's, and it's been, it's been a, <laughs> it's been two and a half decades of nothing since. Right. A lot of hope and problems. You know, and not to bring up the whole Dez caught it or Dez didn't catch it, that was a team that would have went to the Super Bowl if it wasn't a whole calamity in Green Bay. I think so. I, I think that they had, they had a shot. Um, they've had a couple teams, you know, two. In fact, they've had two under Garrett. Uh, plus, they had the one under Bill Parcells. I think those oh, three yeah. probably had the best shot at a, at a Super Bowl. But, again, it's, you know, it's a, it's a matter of what could have been. I got a hot take for you. Not a hot take, but a I, hot scenario. It's a fever dream. All right. A fever dream, if you will, because you sent me into a, a catastrophic calamity with that Steelers uh, Super Bowl Thirty loss. It just made thirteen-year-old TJ Gill, you know, just revert back to being very sad. Dak Prescott walks in the next couple weeks. They don't franchise him. They nothing. Let him walk. Go back and go test free agency. Who comes in to save the Dallas Cowboys from the booth? Much like Jason Witten, Tony Romo. Ain't gonna happen. Oh, it's gonna happen. He's gonna, gonna come happen. back. In fact, uh, there's a there's a story that came out earlier this morning. If anything, he might switch networks because apparently ESPN is offering him something something in the range of ten million to be in the Monday Night Football booth. Hmm. Plus, plus Tony wants to be a golfer. He does want to be a golfer. I would he, he not wants, be surprised. He wants, to go, he wants to go win the Masters. Yeah, that I. You so, know, when he took over CBS, I forget who I was talking to about that. I could see him parlaying that into being, you know, being on the PGA Tour at some point in time. Oh yeah. Oh, he'll be. You know, he he gets a couple of exemptions every year. Shows up at, at a couple of the different tournaments. So sure, why not? He can't do that if he's on the Cowboys roster or anybody else's roster. Very true. But this is why I brought up Romo here. Not only because I think it would be a hilarious situation where he comes back in and is you know, a quarterback that leads them back to the playoffs. But 
I was thinking this while watching the Patriots game last Saturday, right? He's talking about Brady and thought of retirement and not being washed up and coming back and doing it again next year. And I remember looking over my wife, Sarah, and I said, Romo can't be as old as I am. I'm 37, right? And I Googled it, and he's only 39 years old. Like two years away from the game, I think he saw some left in the tank. So we're going to be first reporting out Romo's coming back to the Cowboys. There, we said it. It's out in the ether. Romo's coming back. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. Until then, <laughs> Romo's going to be a broadcaster. I, you know, that would probably be the safer you can't, you can't hurt your back in the broadcast booth. Yeah, that's Please, amazing. Not without trying really hard. That's, I mean, sitting next to Tessator, I'm sure you probably would hurt your back just trying to carry him. Yes. There you go. Well, hopefully it won't be Tessator either. It'll be somebody else. Ah, yeah, I wonder who they get to do a play-by-play there on that one. Anyway. Broadcaster talk. That's an amazing way to end the first ever Texas HS football uh, podcast. I'll tell you that much. So, <laughs> Stu, where can we find you at on a weekly basis? Uh, I believe it's 1049 The Horn, but where else can we find you at? Yeah, uh, uh, of course. Uh, catch me on Sportsnet's Talking Wrestling Wednesday night. Uh, we are we're off the air for a couple weeks because of the long men's basketball, but we are back on the air January 22nd, back in our customary time of 8 p.m. Central, and you can hear that in Austin on 104.9 FM, 101.9 FM, AM 1260, stream it worldwide via the Horn Austin app for smartphones, smartphones or uh, or hornfm.com, uh, and then uh, catch me on Twitter at Stu Myrick. Actually, that's every, all my all my social media is at Stu Myrick, and by the way, I'll be uh, anchoring the Horn's coverage of Super Bowl 54 live really? in Miami. So I will be there uh, all week on Ready to Row getting interviews. Um, by the way, wrestling tidbit, you know, you and I, you know, you, you had the uh, two events in Atlanta, which I was such, uh, I was so honored to be a part of last year during Super Bowl week. Well, it seems this time pro wrestling wanted to follow in your footsteps. They're doing this tour, uh, the New Beginning USA tour, and wouldn't you know it, one of their one of their tour stops on January 30th just happens to be Miami. That's right. Even though they so listed as Pembroke them. Pines, but yes, it's Miami. And they and they've already announced the cards. Mm-hmm. And I know, like off the top of my head, I know Hodorowski Kanahansky will be there. I know the current IWGP uh, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Finn Juice, David Finley, and Juice Robinson will be there. Gorillas of Destiny, a former champion, will be there. In fact, I'm trying to get them on Radio Row. That would be nice. They got their big event in April coming up in Tampa, the Bullet Club uh, Beach Party. So he's got to watch out for the customers. So, yeah, with them. but we'll talk to we'll talk to all manner of of football legends, uh, boxers. I always seem to get a bunch of boxers hmm. and other other notables that show up in uh, in in the Super Bowl city around Super Bowl week. But yeah. Stay tuned to the horn. Uh, stay tuned to my social media. You'll see all that happening, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And the voice of Lake Travis football on 104.9 The Horn. Don't let anyone tell you different. The voice of Lake <laughs> Travis football. Don't tell Mark Koenig that. No, 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 no. The real, the real work happens on the no, sidelines. Seriously, I, I am, I am uh, lucky enough to work with uh, an amazing crew with with Mark Koenig and Bucky Godbolt on Lake Travis. Broadcast. We the three of us have such a great time. Not to mention, Bucky Godbolt is is a gem of a passenger. Whenever you you know he rides with you, he's just he's really cool. It's just you know nice and chill. We'll just sit there and listen listen to music and and 
tell stories. Also a huge so, hockey fan, too. Do what? He's also a hockey fan as well. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. So. Well, cool, Sue. Thank you for being on this maiden voyage, and we will definitely be uh, catching up with you, you know, at least before Radio Row starts up in about a month. All right, that's the first ever episode in the books. Thank you for listening. Make sure, as we said at the top of the show, subscribe to the new podcast over on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcast. Make sure to SoundCloud. Make sure you do subscribe as uh, we love having you listening. We hope to have you back again for next week. Follow the show at Texas HS Football. Follow myself at TJ McLude. Also, Stu over at Stu Myrick. Uh, Sports Guys Talking Wrestling, 1049 The Horn. Don't know if I can fit any more plugs in here, as that's all I can think of right now. Be back next week uh, for some more exciting content through our website, social media, and the podcast here. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>